Well, we're in a series on how God guides. The Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, Romans 8, verse 14. So we know God wants to guide us in life, and we've been looking at seven principles. Principle one, we discussed inner conviction. Principle two, scriptural confirmation. That's the Bible. Number three, prophetic confirmation. Last week, we talked about godly counsel, or uh, if you don't want to talk religious, good advice, smart wisdom, good advice. And after Easter, we'll pick up the peace of God, not being anxious, not being troubled, but peace. And then last, provision. Where God guides, He provides. And then the key verse is 2 Corinthians 13, 1. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So God never guides you by one. I heard a guy say, well, the Lord told me. Well, maybe the Lord did. Maybe the Lord didn't. Maybe somebody told you something. Let's check it out. Does it violate Scripture? There's a balance. Hey, how about some wisdom from people with proven experience? Did you run it by anybody? No, God told me. You just want to slap somebody like that, you know, because if it is God, it'll confirm it with two or three witnesses. He doesn't just speak to you alone, Sparky. God loves you. He wants to protect you from your stubbornness, my stubbornness. Okay, you're looking at me very strange. Your stubbornness, okay. We're all in this together. And he doesn't want you to get off track and crash and burn. And people that do, do not follow these simple rules. This is not hard to do. Now, today we're going to talk about how God guides us by circumstances. And this, one, this one's a little tough because there's no pat answers on this one. So I'm going to show it to you best I can. Circumstance. The word circum means around. Stance, that which is in position. So circumstances are what's standing around in your life. Circumstances are what life deals you. It's what's happening in your life. They're the facts of where you are today, and God will use circumstances to steer His people. Now, this principle is probably the most misunderstood and probably the most difficult occasionally to interpret correctly. There's just simply no pat answers on this one, but God uses it. So here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crank it up. Numbers 22, verse 21 through 34. So Balaam, he's a prophet, rose up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Then God's anger was aroused against him because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And as he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him, now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand, and the donkey turned aside off the path and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to get her back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on one side and a wall on the other side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn left or right. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she just laid right down on Balaam. So Balaam's anger was so angry, he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. Now, folks, we got a scene going on here. 
And she, the donkey, said to Balaam the prophet, What have I done to you that you've hit me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you've abused me. I wish I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you. So the donkey says to Balaam, this is some conversation. The donkey says to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you've ridden ever since I became yours up to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? And Balaam has a real conversation. You going, no, come to think of it, no, you haven't. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? I'm going to turn you into animal cruelty. (laughs) Behold, I have come out to stand against you, Balaam, because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside three times. If she hadn't turned aside from me, I would have killed you, and I would have let her live. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I've sinned. I didn't know you stood in the way against me. Therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. Who said this, if you can remember? It's been a good while ago. I would like to reach out and touch all the people who have hurt like I have hurt and searched like I have searched and are close to giving up hope. I would like to tell them there's always a way out. Just when you think your story's over, there's always a miracle around the corner. I spoke with God and asked for a miracle. The next day, Playboy magazine called. That was my miracle. Don't give up hope. Just look up. That's where your resource and your strength is. Jessica Hahn. Jessie was a Christian employee for a large Christian network, and she had an affair with the president of that television network. And a lot of Christians are kind of like Jessica. They they judge God's will kind of strange. When they're in a bind, the first phone call, The first offer, anything that looks good, money or a contract, they say, this must be the will of the Lord. And they jump right into it. Now, I don't know if you have to be a real, you don't even have to be a Christian to figure out God didn't have Playboy magazine call his handmaiden to present her body to the gaping eyes of men to make her an object of lust to help her. Nonsense. Two guys, two guys, some of you have to think about that, okay. Two guys are talking. One of them said to the other guy, one day a guy was flying along in an airplane when the engine quit. The other guy said, that's bad. The man said, no, that's good. There was a parachute on board. The other guy said, oh, that's good. The other guy said, no, that's bad. The chute didn't open. He said, oh, that's bad. The other guy said, no, that's not bad. That's good. There was a haystack on the ground. Oh, that's good, said his friend. No, that's bad. There was a pitchfork in the haystack. Oh, that's bad. No, that's good. He missed the pitchfork. Oh, that's good. No, that's bad. He missed the haystack too. Now, I'm being goofy with you on purpose. Christians judge by one minute to the next whatever they might think. One minute it's good, one day it's bad. But no, nobody has the whole story. See, wherever you are today doesn't mean that's where you're going to be tomorrow. And in our story today that I just read, I want you to see God is guiding by circumstances, and it's not a real simple matter. Some people say, all the doors were open, so I knew it was God. And they walked through and fell through a hole in the floor. And then some say, all the doors were closed, so I knew it wasn't God. But sometimes God will tell you to kick down some doors, to persevere. When Elijah got to where God sent him and where God had said he would provide for him, he fed him by ravens and a brook of water. God confirmed Elijah had done the will of God through 
circumstances. On the other hand, the prodigal son, who was in the circumstances of a pig pen, was also in the will of God for the moment. You know, God's will for any son who's become a prodigal and backslidden is an occasional pig pen. That's the will of God at the moment for that person, not to hurt them, but to bring them to sanity, to themselves, hoping that leaving them there for a while will give them a belly full so they'll know that's not what they want. Don't pull a prodigal out of the pig pen too quick. Leave them there till they're ready to come out. If you pull them out too soon, in their mind, they'll always wonder if they could have made it big in pigs. Paul was in a storm in Acts 27, but he was in the will of God. The boat sank. Paul escaped to the Isle of Malta, and he preached the gospel, and the whole island got saved. The chief and his father, who Paul had healed. God used the circumstances of a storm to sink the ship to get Paul on that island where he never would have gone to bring a revival and Christianity to that little country. Circumstances played a role in directing Paul, see? All I'm saying is that obtaining guidance in the matter of circumstances demands a good bit of maturity. It really takes some wisdom and prayer to interpret some circumstances and wise counsel from people who know you with proven experience. Balaam was on his way to do something that God was displeased with, and God told him, all right, go ahead and go. And then God was angry because he went. That's a little bit of an insight into how God thinks. See, God looks at your heart and mine, and if he sees something wrong, many times he'll say, okay, I don't want you to do this, but you old stubborn thing, I've given you a free will, I'll let you do it. Now, he's displeased with what I'm doing, but he intends to let me walk this thing out until I don't want it anymore. See, God will sometimes give you what you persist in having, even though it's not his will. But he won't violate your will. So he might let you choke on it until you're disgusted with it. The donkey represents circumstances. Balaam is riding his circumstances. And all of a sudden, things start to go wrong. You've had some of those days. The circumstances are not cooperating with the place he wants to go. And then he starts to beat his circumstances. And notice there's an ascending severity. First, he just turned off the road. Next time, he crushed his foot. Then the third time, the donkey laid down on Balaam. Not good. And that story shows us that the seeing world is being affected by the unseen world. The unseen world was that angel standing in opposition to the way of this man of God. And the man of God didn't see the angel, but a dumb donkey did. The circumstances did. And there are many times your circumstances are going wrong because you're out of the will of God, but not always. See, all Balaam could see was the circumstances turning against him. And he became angry at his circumstances. You could be enraged at the very circumstances saving you from destruction. A wedding is canceled, a broken heart, embarrassment, devastation, lost money. And yet, if you're a follower of Jesus, it could end up in time being the best thing that ever happened to your future. God loves you. He doesn't want to hurt you. And uh, maybe a job falls through. God has something better, or this is not where he wants you to go. All of us have had those interesting circumstances. We're irritated. Let's be honest. We're irritated when it occurs. But it does occur, and you got to think it through. What's going on here? 
So everything appears to be going wrong in the physical realm, and yet there's an unseen plan behind the scene. Those circumstances are moving the prophet away from destruction, and instead of trying to kill the circumstances blocking your intended will, maybe God will open your eyes to see what's behind these wrong circumstances. Maybe there's a reason you're not getting what you want. So God is using that donkey, those circumstances, to keep Balaam from being killed. And that angel in the way had his sword drawn to kill him. That's not good, right? That's not good. Many times you think it's your employer resisting you or your spouse or your brother, but it might be God. Now, if you won't listen to God, to wise counsel, to his word, to your heart, well, God can speak to you through the IRS. <laughs> if you won't submit to spiritual authority, God can speak to you through an officer of the law, but you will come under authority. God can use a TV reporter to speak to you. You know, I remember when Diane Sawyer interviewed three national ministers on television and caught them all on video in scandal and lies to the American public, and they all went out of business. And I thought, they wouldn't listen to wise counsel. They did what they wanted to do. They violated their conscience. They violated the Word of God. They violated wise counsel. They violated all the guidance principles God gave. And God says, okay, if you won't listen to anything spiritual, I'll give you something natural. I'll give you Diane Sawyer. And if I can speak through a donkey, I can speak through her. Hey, I, I got a job here. You know what? I thought if he can use a jackass, he, I got a job. He can use me too. God can speak through you. One of my old mentors, Charles Simpson, told me, he said, Rick, the Holy Spirit can use anything. But don't forget, when the Holy Spirit lifted off that jackass, he was still a jackass, okay? So when that anointing lifts, you're still what you were. Don't just kind of remember that, right? So the beast suddenly speaks and says to the prophet, why are you mad at me? The problem's not me, Mr. Prophet, it's the angel. And Balaam finally sees that it's God resisting him. It's one thing if men oppose you, it's another if God opposes you. You don't want to run through God's blockade if you're smart. Let me pause a minute and mention something that happened to me. When I lived in Savannah, Georgia, and I had a good life, intercoastal waterway. Uh, I guess it's just the best place I ever lived at the time with Cindy. And I was doing import, export, and flying airplanes and flying high-end cars from Germany into America on Lufthansa. And life was good. And I didn't want to give it up. You know, I wanted a condo in Monte Carlo with my own private jet. What are you looking at me what do you think, I have some little pygmy dream? I, I listen, just build me a cabin in the corner of glory. Get out of my life. I wanted, a, I wanted Monte Carlo. I had big dreams. And I tell you, when I love Jesus, I tied my income, I, I would serve. Not a problem with God. My problem was, I don't want to go and be in the ministry. That's not for me. And I want to do big things. And I never will forget 
all of a sudden when this began to happen and I started getting a few words and James Robinson and some of the other guys up in Dallas that I flew airplanes for and worked for were saying the same thing. I was getting stirred that God wanted me to go in the ministry. I didn't want to go. Uh, I'll, I'll give big. I'll do, you know, the, the nonsense. And he shut me down. And I'll never forget, I had 12 Porsches and Mercedes in my, par in my driveway. And I couldn't give them away. And I'm, I'm a pretty good salesman. And I said, this is not normal. This is not natural. It doesn't just stop. And, and I thought, what is going on? Well, like Abraham, I look for Hagar. I look for some way to figure this thing out and make it work on my own. That's what Abraham did. Yeah, and I thought I did everything I knew and nothing worked. And I was, I was just laid my head on the kitchen table and could have cried. I just didn't know why. I read the Bible every day. I prayed every day. And I thought, I can do this. I can do this. I can break this thing. I can get through it. And nothing. I mean nothing. Not even a, a, a wiggle. Nothing. And I'll never forget. I finally said, if this is God and it's blocking me from doing what I want to do, to do what he wants me to do, then I'm going to do it. Every car was gone in 30 days. I didn't negotiate one, got full price on everything. And the whole issue was that circumstance was God blocking me until I gave up to say, I'm going to use this circumstance at nearly $300,000 of money. I'm going to use that to push you where you will not go on your own, Mr. Ricky. And $300,000 will push you pretty good. If you've never been pushed, I can talk to you about debt and stress. And uh, it, it all went away. And I came to San Antonio. Okay? Might not have been God's best choice, but hey, you get what you pay for. Anyway, I'm letting you know that's just one of the ways God dealt with me. He used circumstances. But all circumstances aren't God. And all circumstances aren't the devil. You know, if your water heater blows up and the water's flying out all, and it's 15 years old, it may be age. God's speaking to me. No, God's not speaking. Yeah, he is. Go to Home Depot and get another water heater. There's some things that are just natural. Your battery runs down on a car. I wonder if God's mad at me. He's not mad at you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So it's not all cut and dried. Now listen to Judges chapter 6, verse 37. Here's another one. This is Gideon. And Gideon's arguing with God who wants to use this little coward to be a deliverer of Israel. And he says, look, I'm going to put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. And if there's dew on that fleece only and everything's dry on the ground, I'll know that you mean what you say. You're going to save the nation by me as you've said. Now, you've got to remember, he got a bad self-image. He's the least in his family. He comes from the smallest tribe. He has no self-esteem. And it was so. When he rose early in the morning, he squeezed the fleece together, wrung out a bowl of water. Then Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, once more with the fleece. Now let it be dew, uh, dry only on the fleece. The fleece is dry, but the ground's all wet. And God did it that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but the dew was all over the ground. Now, Gideon didn't know much about God's guidance plan. He didn't have a Bible for guidance, they, nothing. And so God is very gracious. God used circumstances to confirm his will to Gideon. 
And Gideon in Hebrews 11 is called a man of faith. God didn't get mad at him. So he chose to use this fleece, and because one of the circumstances uh, God uses confirmed he was with Gideon, a circumstance. So, but never let fleeces run your life. But where you have no scripture, where you aren't clear, it's permitted. Many times God will orchestrate circumstances that will convince me he's leading in a certain way. But I also want to add to that some wise counsel. Make sure I'm not violating scripture, right? Because I'm walking, I don't want to walk by circumstances only. That's sight. We walk by faith. So the danger of fleeces, uh, but God can use them when there's no scripture and there's no way to know what it might be and add to that some wise counsel people who know you. So Gideon's called a man of faith. If my way is perverse as a believer, if my way is perverse, wrong, negative circumstances will start to escalate. Proverbs 14, verse 12, there's a way that seems right to a man, but at the end is destruction. Seemed right to him, but he didn't run it through the principles here, and as a result, got into big, big trouble. Know anybody like that? They just, sure, this is the will of God, this is the way. It seemed right, but I got off track. Examples of circumstances and how they were not always what they appeared. Let me give you some. Moses comes to deliver Israel. He meets with the leaders of Israel, and he said, God has sent me to tell Pharaoh to let you go. So Moses goes to Pharaoh, demands the release of his people, and what's the outcome? (laughs) Pharaoh made life worse for the Israelites. They have to make the same number of bricks, but no straw would be provided. How do you know that if people were entirely ruled by circumstances, they would have said, Moses couldn't be our leader. He said God sent him. He spoke to Pharaoh one time, and now we get more trouble. Uh huh. Now, a couple of Hebrew slaves, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel said, we're not going to bow down and worship that golden idol. So they take a stand for righteousness. And what happened? Well, they called the police and threw these guys in a fiery furnace. But if you would have ranked it on circumstances, whether God had guided them or not, you might have been wrong. They were right in the will of God. Can you see it's not just so simple and pat. We've got God so limited that when good things appear to be happening, God is pleased with me. And when things are negative, we think God's not happy with me. But that is not, not the case. Jonah disobeyed God and ended up fulfilling his mission anyway. He had a bit of a detour in the fish hotel, but he did fulfill his mission. Jeremiah obeyed the Lord, and tradition says he was sawed in half. How do you think Jeremiah felt as he sees the guy coming with the saw? You know, Lord, I obeyed you, and it'd sure be a good time to get me out of here, but God didn't. Paul disobeyed God up until the day of his conversion, and God made him a global apostle and a church planter. Stephen obeyed God, preached one sermon, and they stoned him to death. Noah preached 120 years and only had eight people saved, and that's his family. No church would have called him. If you had looked only with natural eyesight at Paul's time in prison, and remember half of Paul's life was in prison, we would have figured this guy must be displeasing God. He's in jail all the time. But Paul didn't see his circumstances that way. He saw himself as a prisoner of the Lord, not of the Romans. 
See, um, if God's going to use this polylingual, highly educated Pharisee, if he's going to use him to write scripture, he's got to get him calmed down somewhere. Jail's a good place. They got no internet, no TV, no gym, no library, no distractions. And God parks him in there quite often to write 75% of your New Testament. He was in the will of God. This didn't look real cool, you know. And the danger of being circumstance ruled outside of the balance of these other six guidance principles is that you're almost always going to be confused. Only, here's another one. How about Joseph? Joseph didn't do anything wrong. Joseph is a young kid. Daddy kind of likes him, son of his old age. Gives him a fancy Elton John jacket, I guess. Coat of many colors. Brothers get jealous. He has a dream. The brothers sell him. God uses their anger and jealousy to, to sell him into Potiphar's house to get him into Egypt. Now, what's going on here? God is using circumstances to push this Hebrew into Egypt where they would never go. So God says, you're going to go, but you ain't going to be happy about it. And he sends him down there as a captive prisoner and a slave. And then he gets him in Potiphar's house, unusually so, because he's part of the royal guard for Pharaoh. So God's getting him in proximity to Pharaoh because there's a famine coming. And God, in, in order to deliver a few people in Joseph's family, he's got to get him connected. So he does it in jail. So he uses the wife's lust, the desperate housewife of Egypt, he uses her to say, he assaulted me. And as a result, he goes straight to jail. He doesn't know what we're reading here. He doesn't have a Bible. He's wondering, what the heck is going on? I haven't done anything wrong, and now I'm in jail. And in jail, he meets a butler and a baker, and he interprets a dream. And as a result of the dream, the baker gets restored back to Potiphar's house. Then God gives Potiphar a nightmare. And then the baker says, I remember a guy who interprets dreams. And he goes back to prison and gets Joseph. And Joseph interprets the dream and has this wisdom and becomes prime minister of Egypt. That was a 21-year circumstantial detour to get him there so he could deliver his people and make friends with Pharaoh. He would never have done that any other way. So God shut doors, opened doors. Shut doors, opened doors. So he can use anything, right? Only one man did everything right. And look at what they did to him. If you rate everything on whether you feel blessed or good things are happening, then when you're nailed to the cross, you're going to be wondering if you miss God. But not Jesus. The ultimate contradiction is the cross. The cross contradicted everything the fleshly mind thinks. That's why Jesus' disciples deserted him. He had lots of followers when he was healing and blessing and feeding them. But when he spoke about a cross and dying, the followers started to fall away. Was Jesus in the will of the Father? Absolutely. You know, there's three storms in the Bible related to circumstances. Oh, Jonah's storm. By the way, that storm stopped when he was thrown overboard and said he'd do whatever God said. Then Paul was in a storm, and Jesus was in a storm. 
Now, there's a mindset today, not with everybody, but dominant pretty much in some flaky Christians, that if I'm in the will of God, I'm not ever going to have any storms. My car battery won't go dead when I'm traveling. You know, my water heater won't blow up on the back porch. My heat pump won't go out in August. Boy, (laughs) you are one clown short of a circus. Yeah. (laughs) I think Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. See, they think that if you're in the will of God, you won't have storms. And if you do have storms, something must be wrong with you. That's horrible. Jonah was out of the will of God and had a storm. Paul was in the will of God and had a storm. Jesus was in the will of God and had a storm. That ought to tell you something. It means you're going to have a storm. But yet in the church, we tend to see each other as blessed or not blessed by circumstances. And that's very dangerous. So I always tell you kind of what's going on so you don't think the guy on TV has a silver spoon in his mouth. He'll have one kid going loop-de-loo nuts, but you don't know about it. He'll have a health issue, but you don't know about it. Because on TV, they edit it, and everything's glossy, and our teeth are real white, and we're blessed and highly favored, but we have trouble too. I'm married. (laughs) Or you have kids or grandkids. There's no pain-free life, folks, sorry. You know, maybe for a few minutes, but that's about it, you know. I'm saying there's just no pat formula for interpreting circumstances as a guidance without the balance of the other six principles. Now, almost through. There are times you speak to your circumstances, and there are times circumstances have to speak to you. If I feel the enemy is attacking, and there's confusion and disorder in the home, you got multiple sicknesses, this is breaking down, it could be there, I speak to the circumstances. The Bible says I have the power to bind and to loose. Whatever you bind in my name, sometimes we have to resist the enemy. So you speak to those circumstances. You speak to what's going on. You fight the good fight of faith. You don't just pray one prayer. You fight that thing all day long. You fight it a week long, whatever it takes. You fight the chaos, financial, health issue, whatever it is. Anything. If one of my kids is going through a health issue, I'm praying all through the day every time they cross my mind. I rebuke that. By the stripes of Jesus, uh, uh, she's being healed. By the stri- Thank you, you sent your word to heal me, to deliver me from all my destructions. Thank you. I hold the blood of Jesus and the word of God. I have power of attorney to use his name, and I do it. I do it over and over. And I'm speaking to circumstances that are wrong. It takes a little maturity, a little knowledge of Scripture, and what? Knowing a little experience with God to realize, no, this is the enemy. This is now, like I said, my battery in my car—I don't care what brand it is, how much it costs—will go dead. It will. You know, your your heat pump will go out. One great repairman told me this. This is free. He said, "Patch that heat pump till it won't breathe." Don't buy a new one just because it's old. Patch it. He said, my experience in this business, patch that sucker. It's still going to die on you somewhere out the road, but make it go as long as possible. Because then you got to pay, what, $10,000, $8,000 to get a brand new one. That was free from a repairman who came to service my old heat pump. And guess what I did? I patched it. 
let's see, I can spend $10,000 or $450. Let's go $450, okay? Let's patch that sucker, and I'll pray it on through the summertime. Yeah, these are just little tips from godly counsel, right? I, I've, I've seen the roof cave in on good people, but God put a faith in them. They never doubted the goodness of God. There are no formulas for circumstance. You, have, you just fall in love with God, and you find the safety of abiding in Him, trusting Him, praying, and getting some wise counsel around you. So is God opposing your way to save you from destruction? Is Satan opposing you because you're fulfilling the will of God? You cannot be guided by circumstances only. And if you're going the wrong way and circumstances are worsening, God may be using them to speak to you, to turn you around, to keep you from being destroyed. God, God gives you plenty of warnings. He doesn't just cave in on you like that. God, you got to run a lot of red lights before God, before you watch somebody crash. And some of you are captive to circumstances. You're not going to move out in anything if anything looks negative. You're too dependent on circumstances. In the majority of cases, know this. God's a good God, and God loves you, has a good plan for your life to do you good and not evil. And as you walk with Him more and more, you'll have some trials and occasional decreases. But your upward curve over the long haul will be blessing. If your curve over the long haul is a nosedive, you better get into some prayer and get some smart people around you because something's wrong. All of us have ups and downs, but overall, the curve should be blessing. Overall. Nobody escapes without trials. Last verse, James 1, verse 2. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. And if anybody longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and He will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failure but he will overwhelm your failure with his generous grace. So the question for you this day and me, simple. Do I speak to the circumstances or should I let the circumstances be speaking to me? And I say again, with some maturity, you can discern that. If you don't have that maturity, get some wise people who know you, who have been down the road a while to say, I believe the enemy's opposing you as you attempt to do something in the will of God. And then sometimes it's just the enemy attacking. But sometimes God's speaking to you. And if we know you, we pretty much know where you're getting off the road. Yeah, I'm going after this person no matter what. Oh, look out, look out. There's a way that seems right. But at the end is some heartbreak. And God doesn't want you there. So he's got a good plan for you. So this one, this one is not an easy one to do circumstances, but be aware circumstances can alter your future, connect you with the right person, push you where you wouldn't normally go, meet somebody normally you wouldn't meet because of circumstances in order for God to bless you. Don't get a wedgie when you get a bad circumstance. Hang on. God's not through, okay? For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.